You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the State of Recruiting, your weekly recruiting show brought to you by Horns247. I'm Mike Roach, and I'm joined, as always, by Nick Harris. We've got uh, another big show for you this week. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about two new commitments for Texas. We've got an interview with uh, one of our rankings analysts, Charles Power, and, of course, we'll answer the mailbag. Uh, but before we get into that, uh, Nick, how's everything going? Going pretty good. Can't complain. Yeah, um, I, uh, I I see you over Skype here. You're not wearing a hoodie, so that's um, that's progress. Yeah, I'm actually uh, running a load right now, a load of clothes. So that's that's probably <laughs> why. <laughs> Do you own shorts, Nick? I'm actually wearing shorts right now. You'd you'd be surprised. Okay, for everybody at home, every time we go out to a, an event, Nick wears full like pants and a hoodie, even in in the summer. And see, people it, people it, question that logic. Uh, Coach O even asked me about it, and you know. I'm just a little too white for the sun right now, and every time it even gets close to touching me, I burn immediately. So I'd rather sweat than burn. That, that's my logic behind it. Okay, I can see that. I'm, see, I'm like more of a dark complected, so I tan really easily and just go. Um, well, let's get into it, but before we do, uh, we do want to remind you that uh, the State of Recruiting is brought to you twice a week, each and every week. Uh, for anybody who listens, we would love for you to stop by any of our podcast platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, any of those great places to get a podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review, do all those things that, that help the podcast out. Um, also, subscribe to Horns 24-7. That's where you'll get the, the uh, large amount of our, of our written work, uh, the Stampede every week, which is an insider article we do on recruiting. And then I would also encourage you to listen to our other podcast, the Flagship with Taylor Estes and Chip Brown, and the Longhorn Blitz with, uh, with Jeff Howe and Rob Babers. All right, Nick, um, Texas had two big commitments this week. Uh, ones we've been sitting on for a while, I feel like we've – done a segment each week on the podcast on the Ishmael Ibrahim and J.D. Coffee announcements. And, um, you know, these were interviews I've had probably in the can for about a month for their commitment quotes. But uh, everything came through, and, and now it looks like uh, Texas added two really talented players to the secondary. Yeah, I think the hype kind of got destroyed. I think most people, you know, pretty much expected it to happen. So maybe the excitement wasn't uh, quite there uh, if you compare it to – any other day we get two four stars that commit in the same day you know uh it's huge and it's gonna it's gonna add some defensive back depth for uh, jay valai and chris ash i think they really hit a home run in landing these two guys uh they're both talented in their own in their own uh respects and i think you said last week that you know ishmael ibrahim has the chance to possibly be one of the best corners in the nation before it's all said and done so uh he's he's a solid dad and as well as jd coffee it looks like he's getting better each and every time i go out and see him he's looking better every time i go out and see him um and I, i'm excited to see what he does in his senior year he had a great junior year for kennedale uh really helped them a lot in that defensive backfield so i'm excited to see what he can do yeah absolutely and i actually saw jd today as we're recording this um i went out to his uh to his his high school and, and watched him work out uh, not only will jd 
um, be a star on the defensive side of the ball, there's likely he's going to play quarterback at Kennedale as well. So uh, he might be a two-way guy this year. Um, you know, what I really like about J.D. is he, you know, he has a great understanding of the game, and I think that that is almost unnecessary when you play safety. Because when you're on the back end and you're responsible for lining everything up and you're responsible for seeing the whole field and, uh, you know, making plays from the center of the field, I think you have to understand the game at a high level. And, and that's really J.D.'s biggest asset and that his instinctive play um you know he's he'll be physical with you he's got great ball skills has forced double digit turnovers in his high school career so uh, really a good tough experienced kid and then Ibrahim like we mentioned a huge ceiling um you know really how you want to build a press corner and and you know you mentioned a, a huge win for Jay Valai and, and I would say the first um of, of what could be many and, and you know we've talked a lot about what kind of recruiter Jay Valai and Chris Ash could be you know these were two guys that they went after from the moment they basically got here and um and, and you know really won them over I, I I've talked to um, a coach at Kennedale today who told me, you know, up until the last minute, LSU was calling trying to get coffee to hold off and, and not make a commitment. Uh, Oregon, Oregon the same. So there were some big boy schools in these races that both those guys went head to head with and won. And I think that bodes pretty well for them. Yeah, and I think them kind of doing a joint commitment video, which, by the way, shout out our good friend Jay Litt. He did a fantastic production for both of them. But the fact that they did a joint commitment video, I think I think they were kind of thinking, you know, well, we're not going to decommit. This isn't going to be awkward when we decommit because we're not going to decommit, maybe. So uh, maybe there's some logic behind that, and you know, that they're uh, pretty solid commits. Um, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to bring some offensive guys as well and do some recruiting in the Dallas area. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, you know, we'll see how that that, uh, continues to play out. But uh, two big wins for Texas on the recruiting trail this week. Uh, Another thing that happened this week is it was rankings week. Uh, We had an update to the top 247 on the offensive side of the ball. And I had Charles Power, who's one of our uh, rankings analysts and and national football analysts, uh, join me earlier today for an interview. We talk about uh, the rankings process. We talk about the Texas class and uh, go go in-depth on some guys. So uh, please enjoy this interview with Charles Power. And now joining me on the State of Recruiting podcast, it is uh, the great Charles Power. Charles is a part of our uh, rankings council. He's a part, he's one of our national analysts. And uh, to me, one of the smartest guys out there uh, covering recruiting. So Charles, thanks uh, for joining us this week. No, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, So let's start with, uh, it is rankings week. And I, I think I told Biggins last time I had him on the podcast that um, for like three weeks out of the month, I, I always think, man, it'd be cool to sit in on these rankings meetings and, um, and all that. And then on rankings day, you guys release everything. And I think, and I look at the reaction and say, um, I want my name nowhere near any of that right now. <laughs> How are you feeling? Yeah. <laughs> uh, not too bad. I mean, I, I thought about it. It's funny. Like last night I sat down and I was like, I was like, I've been not, not really arguing, but I feel like I've been explaining since like the day started. So, uh, yeah, it's just a it's just a long day. I mean, it's a lot of answering a lot of questions, and and I think a lot of the questions are valid, especially this year with with kind of how we we've been doing things um, with the lack of you know in person evaluations. But um, sometimes it feels like you're answering the same thing over and over. But uh, I do think some of the questions are probably a little more valid uh, than the, than the, just the typical criticism like y'all hate my team kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, it was it's it's interesting. I mean, it's not. Um, I, I think it kind of comes with the territory. It's not as probably as bad as you think. Kind of once you get used to it. But 
Yeah, I dropped in on the national thread that was linked to all the boards just to kind of give some context on Texas guys that I had seen. And mm-hmm. uh, Yeah, you'd, you'd done your work. Um, I do want to start there. So that is a common question we're getting is um, how are we making all of these changes? And I feel like yeah. it's explained month after month every time there is an update. But um, for those who haven't heard it, uh, just kind of tell us what the process is right now with no camps and seven-on-seven right. events. Yeah, so I, I think – to start off, it's kind of important to understand what our typical calendar is for, for doing rankings, um, you know, just in, in the average year. So, you know, we finish the, um, the senior class. So in this case, it would have been like the class of 2020. We finished that um, in late January and then mid late January, and then, and then go straight into, into the, the rising, um, you know, the rising seniors, which in this case would be 2021. And it's really kind of like, for, for the national guys, it's kind of like drinking water out of a fire hose. Like you're trying to, you're kind of making that full transition and in, in trying to, you know, get as familiar with as, as many of the players as possible um, of the rising seniors. So it's definitely, you know, a lot of, a lot of relying on, on regional guy, regional analysts, guys who have seen them in person during the fall, because during the fall, we're, we're really heavily tracking, um, mainly seniors because that's just such a big um, component of really determining who who's actually good uh, as the senior year is just a huge evaluation point for us so um so it, it's just a lot of cramming on junior video in that like really like february before we put out that that updated 20 uh top 247 for for the, the rising seniors so this year it's really kind of given us more of an opportunity to watch a lot more junior video and just kind of compile the information. It's really more of a time thing. So we've had a lot more time um, to kind of circle back and, and watch as many players as possible. Like I think this is by far the, the most we've been caught up on, on junior seasons. Uh, so that is probably a positive. Now, obviously the negative to this is you don't have camps. Um, you'd have less uh, kind of cross-checking, seeing guys in person, seeing how they look physically, um, getting the athletic testing information, the most updated information. Um, there's no track season. So th- there's it, it's kind of interesting in, in that um, respect. And so I think the best way to offset that is just to, to really hone in on um, what we do have. So that's kind of that was kind of our mandate in doing it this way. Um, and one thing without one thing without camps, and which I think is going to be kind of interesting to see, is how often or how accurate, like even like heights and weights are on players, because um, we have so many players who are, you know, telling everybody. I'm sure Mike, you get hit up all the time saying, "Hey, like I've grown like two inches, like uh, you know, I've added thirty pounds." Like I've seen a ton of that this year, and we don't really have a way to to. to cross check it so we're going to have guys who actually have grown that we aren't going to like maybe not know for sure we're going to have guys who are kind of fluffing up their measurable so uh it's going to be interesting to see like what's actually real and what isn't kind of coming out of this so there's a lot going to be definitely more guesswork involved than normal but um it's, it's pretty interesting so that's kind of how we cope with it i guess yeah, I've told just about every kid I'm not going to change your height unless you can get it verified. But right, if you'll yeah. send me a video of you standing on a scale, I might change your weight. Um, right. You know, yeah. It's kind of the only way I've, d- I've done it. Right. Um, you know, I think that 
the the interesting thing about the way we do rankings and, and a large part of it is yours is it's tied to uh, the NFL draft as, as an indicator of success. And uh, you study a ton of trends um, before, you know, just about every year and pour through them and see, you know, how, what did these guys look like who were going to the first round? What did they look like in high school? And um, I think that's a reason our, our rankings have improved so much. Um, recently in, in the last defensive uh, update, it seems like uh, there's a new normal for linebackers. And um, one of Texas guys fell into that class with, with Maurice Blackwell. Um, what are you seeing at the linebacker position that going forward? Yeah. So linebacker is, is one that is increasingly athletic. Um, I think you're seeing a lot more uh, two-way players. Uh, interesting note on that is I think you probably see less of that. Um, coming out of Texas high school football because there just are less two-way players in, in Texas a lot of times, especially when you get to the higher levels because the teams are just so well stocked. Um, you have it's just competitively you don't see as many two-way players um, at high levels of Texas high school football. But generally speaking, we do see a lot of that. Um, I think they all can run. It, it's linebacker has kind of become a little bit of a catch-all for um, kind of these these versatile bigger athlete maybe like a like a, a guy who's like a bigger running back in high school but probably isn't going to be a running back in college you see a lot of guys like that um in in guys that can run like I, I think all like almost everybody that was drafted like in the top 100 picks at, at linebacker um this year they were all like sub 475 guys out of high school and verified um and and a lot of just good like football players that can do a lot of different things and they get to college and they kind of learn the the mechanics of playing linebacker. That's kind of what we see. It's, it's, it's really kind of a, an athlete position now. Um, one of the biggest subjects I saw yesterday on rankings threads and this, I don't envy you guys having to line up not only the quarterbacks nationwide, but this is for me, the year I can remember, it's probably the most loaded quarterback class in the state of Texas. Yeah. Um, so many guys in that top two, four, seven, Jalen Milrow fell, I think four spots, five spots, maybe, but, um, you know, the explanation given to us was it was more of guys moving up around him, but he did actually, his rating changed from a 94 to a 93. Um, and that was a huge question on our board, but what, uh. what are you guys seeing from Milrow and, and, you know, where do you feel he stacks up with, with the rest of that group? Yeah. So the, uh, the Texas quarterback, the in-state Texas quarterback, um, situation I think is one of the more interesting storylines to track uh coming up in the fall uh there's a ton of guys and I don't think they're like there's not a bona fide star um yet that like on a national level that has really kind of emerged and I think odds are probably one will you would think um so that's something we'll be tracking uh like in in terms of Milrow I think he has a lot of the individual like physical tools you, you look for um he's got a good build he's athletic strong arm all of that uh, i think the biggest thing with him is just going to kind of be like putting it together um at, at the high school level like he he's a good player there's no doubt about it i'm not like knocking him as a player but i think you could kind of see you know over time eventually kind of just all that stuff kind of fuse together and kind of incorporate itself it's like just a uh 
a more dangerous player. Like I think he could certainly run a lot more than he does. He's capable of that. Like he's a lot more athletic than um, if you were just kind of like watching one of their games, like you wouldn't think like, I think he could just increase his rushing output, I guess, to to put it plainly Um, and and kind of stress defenses more with his legs um, and and just continuing to um, kind of polish up a little bit as a passer. I think he definitely has a a well-rounded skill set, but just kind of, I think fusing all that together would kind of be the next step to me and just kind of, you know, um, continuing to like up his production and stuff like that. Although he was like, he was pretty efficient last year. I don't think he really threw a ton, a ton of balls compared to some others. Um, he threw 212 passes in 13 games, which probably fairly, fairly run heavy offense, um, a little bit, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's kind of where I stand with Milro right now. Um, and just kind of continuing to improve his consistency, but, uh, yeah, it's going to be fun to kind of watch how it unfolds this fall because there's, you know, maybe five or six guys who I think could could emerge as, like, legit national-type quarterbacks. Uh, Texas' only offensive line commitment, Hayden Connor. There's a pretty big disparity between the composite and, and the top 247 on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I know you did a lot of O-line trends, but it seems like Hayden just keeps slipping uh, down in state. I actually saw him earlier this, uh, I guess earlier this month. He was at a private workout in Houston and had looked a little better than than I'd seen him any time. What, um, you know, what are, what's the cause for him to continue to slide? Yeah, he's kind of, um, you know, w- when you're looking at offensive linemen, he's probably like, I think the, the knock would be, you know, if, if you're going to come up with a knock, it would probably be he's a little caught in the middle in terms of, you know, guard tackle. He probably is a guy, he's a guy who I think athletically probably should be playing tackle, but probably has the length of a guard. Um, so I'm kind of interested to see where he'll end up at the next level. Um, you know, wide body. I, I think he can continue to just kind of improve like his, his like functional movement and, and getting to the second level um, stuff like that. And I, I think, you know, I would guess he's probably like a right guard, right tackle right now, but um, probably right guard. But, uh, you know, if he were to slide inside, you probably want to see more like like quickness and stuff. Um, but I, I do think it does seem like he kind of has the the mental wherewithal to, to you know, it seems like he's an extremely sharp kid and is a guy who's going to get in there and um, definitely know what he's doing. And I think, you know, having that kind of awareness on areas where you can improve certainly benefits – uh, as well, typically. So I would say like the quickness and assuming he's going to be a guy who slides inside the next level um, would probably be the biggest thing that I would point to. Let's talk about the top two guys in the class, both from Ryan high school um, and both, well, one already a composite five-star, the other one in range of it. Um, where do you see, uh, first of all, which, which side of the ball do you like Jatavian Sanders and Billy Bowman on? And where do you see, like, what is Jatavian Sanders' ultimate ceiling, do you think, rankings-wise? Could he be a top 10 in the nation guy? Yeah, Jatavian Sanders is really interesting because I think he is has a very legitimate case to play on either side of the ball. Um, I'm interested to see what he does this season in terms of – because it was like – Mike, you could probably speak to this better than me, but it seemed like it was a pretty even split on kind of – I mean, you know, he, he – like Ryan had, I was talking about Texas high school football and I have a bunch of two way players. Ryan had a ton of two way players last year mm-hmm. and they were kind of like almost like platoon those guys. It seemed like at times. 
Um, so I'm interested to see with, with no Drew Sanders in that team, kind of how they use him this year. Uh, I would, I mean, I think there's just inherently more value as, as a pass rusher. I do think Jatavian Sanders could easily be a top tight end if he wanted to as well. So I would lean pass rusher just off of, off of, you know, positional value. Um, but I could see that going either way uh, in terms of his ranking ceiling. I think the main thing is going to be just kind of like getting a grip on like how athletic he is. In, like I, I've never, I've never seen him before. So I kind of, he would be a guy that I would want to eyeball at least like in the all-star settings and just kind of stack him up with, with other guys in that class. I, I do think he's definitely one of the better jumbo athletes in the class. I think he's currently the number, is it the number two athlete right now in the country. Um, so yeah, I think determining his position and projecting and, Really, probably a ceiling probably would maybe the most hinge on how we feel about him as a pass rusher because it's 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 a little harder to to rank a tight end that high. So if we think he can really be like a top top pass rusher, that would probably be his ultimate ranking ceiling. Um, Billy Bowman, I think Billy Bowman should play defense personally. Like I watching him play um, at Ryan this year, I know he's a playmaker and can do a lot of stuff with the ball in his hands. um, You know, as as kind of as a receiver and and return man. I think when you put him on defense, his ball skills go from like average as an offensive player to like very, very good as a defensive player. Uh, and uh, he's certainly athletic enough. And I think, I think the playmaking ability is something like I was, I touched on that with the, with the linebackers. That's something that's just a, co- a commonality with all the guys in the back seven is you have a ton of guys that played offense and can make plays, can track the ball. Ball skills is a huge thing with DB. Uh, so I think he would add a playmaking component to, to the secondary um, that would make him a little, probably a little more unique than, than, than uh, as a receiver. A uh, guy not in the top two, four, seven, but recently uh, bumped a little bit. So I'm guessing you probably saw him. Um, Jonathan Brooks from Hallettsville. Uh, mm-hmm. would, have you had any thoughts on him? Because he's kind of a mystery to all of us just because we haven't really been able to see him. But what have you seen on film? Yeah, I, we were going through the running backs. Well, first off, it is it is not a good running back year nationally. It is pretty pretty paltry uh, in terms of the the running backs. Um, and uh, I thought I thought that was a good find by by Texas. You know, um, kind of, yeah, like you say, kind of uh, burrowed away at Hallettsville. This doesn't seem like a ton of people had seen him, uh, but I thought just kind of in going through all the running backs, we were you know going through that position that week. Um, I thought. He was very smooth, instinctive runner. Um, you know, didn't have a ton of carries this year, but you know, at nine and a half yards of carry and twenty-four touchdowns, like, I mean, he was—you could tell like he was a pretty dominant player at, at, at that level, which is certainly what you want to see. I mean, just looking at running backs historically, I think uh, it, on paper, two things that almost all top running backs have are they—they they run for high yards, high yards per carry, and top end speed. I don't think we have like track stuff on him. But um, he kind of fits the mold, at least from like a production profile standpoint. And I would expect that to probably increase this year as well. So I thought he was just like a anyway, like when he turned the video, I thought he was like fluid, instinctive, changed changes direction well. He kind of opens up when he's um you know gets to the second level. So uh, he was a guy who who I think certainly passed like the you know the initial look on his on his video and and kind of digging a little deeper on him. But yeah, I mean I'm kind of with you. I, I'm I'm just interested to see you know, what he does this year um, with more people watching him. Uh, the two guys they got this week, two composite four stars, Ishmael Ibrahim from Dallas Kimball, J.D. Coffey from Kennedale. Um, how much have you seen of either of those guys, and do you have any general thoughts on them? Yeah, I've seen more of Ibrahim than Coffey. Um, 
Yeah, Ibrahim is is interesting because you know he's playing at uh, in like Dallas ISD, and he is a guy who, you know, very long, looks to be pretty athletic. Um, I I think he has a lot of upside as you know a corner, but was still pretty raw. It seems like uh, and a guy who you know mainly just plays corner, so don't have a great read on his ball skills. Um, so. I think he's a little bit of an unknown and I've seen a little of coffee, but not a ton. Um, I, I mean, I know Kennedale's a pretty good program, but um, you know, I, I, I probably would defer more to Gabe Brooks on, on him at right now. Last guy I want to ask about uh, Port Arthur Memorial uh, defensive lineman, Jordan Thomas. He's had basically, you know, some inconsistent film was injured last season, but um, I did share with you guys a measurement that I had seen from a camp where yeah. he had an 82 inch uh, reach. Um, you know, adding that factor in, what are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I, very interesting guy. Um, I, it seemed like he was kind of a, you know, camp riser prior to his junior season. So it it would have seemed like he would have been one that would have kind of been primed to, to make that move before, before the injury. Um, you know, just from watching like camp videos on him, it seems like he's kind of got like this, like, you know, dogged competitiveness to him. He's so I, I just would want to see that transfer over to the field. Like I, I think he has like a lot of the, the stature stuff, obviously going for him. I mean, 82 inch wingspan. That's a, that's what like six ten. I mean, that's, that, that's a plus seven wingspan. So obviously he's, he's got long arms. Um, and, and, you know, seeing how he continues to fill out, I know we have him listed at two forty, Mike. I mean, do you think he's, is, is he maybe right, that right now? Probably closer to 250 based on when I saw him a couple weeks ago. Yeah, so um, you're just kind of getting a vibe for for the type of player he is. And I think we know, like, the athlete, but I, my main thing is I just want to see him do it in pads, you know. Um, right. So, so that, that would kind of be where I'm at with, with, with Jordan Thomas right now. But um, I think he's pretty intriguing. And, you know, w- when you have a guy miss their junior season, it kind of adds a little more, even more variance on how much you're going to have to weigh the senior year. Um, so, so he's one that certainly would fit that category. All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Texas class. Um, Charles, what have you been doing during the quarantine, man? You've been, uh, but other than watching film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, shoot, I've been trying to figure out ways like to work out at home. Uh, cause I was always a guy who like to go, like, go to the gym. That was like always kind of part of my daily routine. And now it's like, you know, I ordered like Olympic rings and hung up from a tree to do pull-ups on and <laughs> stuff like that. I mean, uh, trying to like walk around, you know, and while also, you know, practicing social distancing, stuff like that. I mean, um, I don't know. I've, I've been binging Netflix like everybody instead of watching TV. But uh, the work, my work, aside from traveling, like this time of year, I'll probably travel, uh, you know, once a month, once every you know, maybe twice a month going to camps. But with that, it's just been more, you know, more time at home and and watching film. And uh, there's no, like, you know, I usually have something on in the background, like NBA or something. So instead of that, it's just like, it'll be like Netflix or something. So. Right. Um, What's the situation looking like in South Carolina as far as uh, maybe opening things up? It's actually spiking here um, right now. It's probably similar to – similar to Texas, uh, I, it seems like there, you know, we aren't going to go back on kind of the opening things up, but I know like there's several hotspots in the state right now. So I'm kind of 
you know, fingers crossed, hopefully it just doesn't continue to get worse. Um, although, I mean, it's probably hard to say it, it won't at this point, but, um, you know, I think we're kind of one of those areas that was not hit barely at all, uh, early on and it's like here now. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm kind of, it feels like a lot of the other stuff was kind of practice and now it's like the, the, right. the real deal. So, yeah. well, there was a significant ruling this week, which you will like, I don't, I don't know if you saw it, but UIL is going to uh, lift the ban on Friday night broadcasts this year. Oh, yeah. A lot more. And I know you're yeah. big for everyone who doesn't know, like, so I would say Gabe Brooks and I see a ton of games and stay probably the most, but Charles might be right behind us because he watches a ton of them on live <laughs> broadcast if he can. He's got a yeah. familiarity with, with Texas high school football that most out-of-staters don't. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I would get like the Texas the, the, the Texan live thing. And especially like that's why I like, what, like the playoffs um, you know, with, with Texas high school football is the playoffs go so much later compared to other states. So when everybody else is done, you know, y- y'all have – like probably maybe a good three weeks of, of action. And so I can watch those on TV. Like it was, I think those last couple Saturdays, um, you know, I would have like a, a, I had one TV I'd have on like the playoff games and I'd have like a college football game on the bottom. So uh, it definitely gives me something else to watch. And that's what I like following Texas just because obviously it's such a big deal in the state and everybody, it, the coverage is so good. It, it allows me to follow it remotely better than almost I could almost anywhere else I mean Texas and California I can watch a lot of games um with just you know the the media and and how well it's covered so um yeah I definitely enjoy it and you know I've definitely I spent some time in the state because both my brothers um you know lived and went to college there played there in the state so whenever I would go to watch their games I would you know try to catch um you know high school games and I kind of got the bug back then so uh so, yeah, I definitely enjoy tracking it as much as possible. Well, I'll give you the same invitation I gave uh, Greg Biggins. If they don't have football in your state this year, you're welcome to come sleep in my guest room and watch some, some Texas high school football because I don't think anything's going to stop it. So, Yeah, that right. sounds good. Charles, we appreciate you for joining us, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. I know it's been a, a long week for you guys in the rankings department, but I uh, appreciate you coming on and answering some questions. Sounds good. Appreciate it. Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at NewBalance.com. We want to thank Charles Power for taking some time to talk about the rankings and, um, you know, some of those changes. We understand that, you know, a lot of people have questions when guys go up and go down. And I think Charles did a really good job of, of explaining that. Uh, before we get into the mailbag, Nick, did you have any thoughts on the uh, rankings released from this week? Yeah, I just got a couple of things, nothing crazy. Um, I, I think something that's really interesting is Donovan Jackson's slow rise to the top. And he's always been at the top, whether it be, you know, top 20, top 15. But over the course of the last couple of updates, he's been creeping up two or three spots. And he now he now finds himself not only the best player in Texas, but number six and 
the second offensive lineman in the country. So um, if, if he can have a strong senior year and uh, push himself a little bit higher, you know, he, he has a he has a legit shot to be the number one player in the country before it's all said and done. He would obviously have to have solid senior season, uh, maybe a solid All-American Bowl weekend or a UA game, whichever one that he decides to go to. Uh, as uh, another thing, Caden Salter, uh, quarterback at Cedar Hill, he's also slowly finding his way up the rankings, and um, I think he's up to 62 now in the country, and by far the best quarterback in Texas, uh, according to our rankings. So uh, it's cool to see where he was a year ago, and to see where he is now. Uh, a year ago, he he hadn't even played really a meaningful snap for Cedar Hill, and uh, after a year under his belt, uh, he's climbed himself up the rankings. He's a Tennessee commit, and as well as a couple of guys that got in uh, to four-star consideration. Uh, Tavier Dunlap, he's in the top 247 now, running back out of the Austin area in Del Valley. Uh, he's a kid I like a lot. I've said it on past uh, podcasts. Uh, it's good to see him climb up, and uh, maybe he'll pick up some more offers as a result. And also the center, Ezra Oyatati, uh, moving up to one of the best centers in the country. Um, so it's good to see uh, some local guys here in Texas and in the Dallas area uh, move up into, uh, uh, into top consideration. You know, it's funny you mentioned Caden Salter. It was I was pretty skeptical of Salter because I'd seen him in seven on seven. He never really just blew me away. And last spring, I went out um, a little so a little over a year ago. Went out to Cedar Hill to see our guy, Coach Mann. And you know, he kept telling me, "You're, you're really going to be blown away by Caden." And that was the spring practice was the first time that I really started to see it with him. You know, he was whipping the ball out there, and it was just it was a different. He, he had taken a next step, and. Um, yeah, man, to see where he's gone from there, it's uh, it, it's really, you know, it's really encouraging. Um, all right, let's get on to our mailbag questions. As always, you can submit your questions via our thread on the Horns 24-7 message board, or you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes with a question. We promise we will answer those. Our first question from Pauly Dreamer says, uh, how much do recruits uh, care about the letter of demands? How much can the school's response help or hurt a current recruitment? You know, it's we're still in very new territory there. I talked to a couple of guys, and you know, they're they're all for the changes to be made, but um, I'm not sure I got the the idea that it's a make or break um, a make or break thing. You know, at, at this point, I think that. Um, you know the guys are still like the the recruits are still very much figuring out that part of it. Um, I do know it's I mean it's being used in in different ways. I know that schools have already come at a couple of recruits and tried to negative recruit Texas based on you know the number of COVID tests they have, which seems like a real weird point to to try a negative recruit school on. Or um, you know Jawan Mitchell had a tweet um, you know cause, uh, claiming he was upset and. Uh, some schools came at at uh, some recent commits there and, and and tried to cause a division. So um, th- it's certainly the negative recruitment's out there, but I you know I don't have a good good enough handle right now at this point to to know what the recruits are really prioritizing there. Yeah, and you can kind of see it on uh, specific recruits' Twitters as well as trainers who uh, are pretty affiliated with recruits. Uh, you can kind of see that the initial response from Tom Herman, uh, I mentioned this last week, the initial response from Tom Herman when um, a couple of days after George Floyd's death, he was one of the first coaches to really come out and put a, a really impactful statement uh, out on Twitter. And I think he released it via the Austin American Statesman. And then he was also on the herd uh, with Colin Coward about a week later and kind of reiterated those same thoughts. And as well as position coaches, they 
they've been pretty active as well. Jay Valai has said some things. Brian Carrington has been really vocal. Uh, so I think the coaching staff has done a pretty good job, as well as the uh, March a couple of weeks ago. Can't forget that. And Caden Stearns, the video of him uh, giving a pretty impactful speech at the Capitol. Um, I, I think these are all things that recruits are seeing, and they're seeing how positive it is compared to you know some other schools that are in the limelight for other reasons uh, related to the same issue. Uh, so if we're comparing Texas and how uh, it's affecting recruits uh, to other schools, I, I think Texas is doing a great job in uh, highlighting this crisis, and uh, ho- hopefully the university will be able to meet with the team, uh, address these lists of demands, and it'll be uh, a positive outlook on uh, the recruitments. All right, next question from Ronnie Longhorn, 83. Uh, Mike, Nick, any, any response from high school recruits? Um, and or high school coaches concerning Herman marching with the players to the state capitol. You know, I actually did a piece on this in the Stampede this week, uh, some some reaction from a couple of recruits and um, with Herman's action on it. Yeah, I mean, it's been positive from the recruits. I think, you know, it's it's been mostly positive from the high school coaches as well. I don't know anybody that would come out and at least it, it really speak against that uh, passionately. Yeah, it was basically like I said in the, the last question. Um, um, I've, I've seen it on the Twitter timeline as far as recruits responding uh, to that in, uh, to that event. And uh, overall, it seemed like a positive experience for them. All right, our next question comes to us from uh, Earl Thomas 12. Based on his past offenses, who fits your system better, uh, Kamar Wheaton or LJ Johnson? I mean, I think either guy fits. I, I think you you got to pick the best guy, and for me, that's L.J. Johnson. I think that he's got the same type of speed as Kamar Wheaton and you know, probably a little more physical all-around game. Yeah, I agree. I think Johnson has a little bit more power, um, and you, you, you kind of see that with past Yersich offenses, you know, the running back that needs that a uh, little bit more power uh, to him. Um, so I, I would go with Johnson, but it's, it's not by much. All right. Our next question from Saved by Milrow. Uh, what 2021 kids have you talked to that an offer seems uh, to should be coming soon? Um, the I guess if I had to, to mention a name um, that I think you could see something coming soon, it is um, – oh, I'm blanking. He's the cornerback from South Grand Prairie. Uh, it's Jalen uh, – I think it's Jalen Williams. Yeah, Jalen Williams from South Grand Prairie. Um, he's a guy that's a sub-1100 guy. I know Jay Valai has been in contact with him lately. He's a guy I would expect um, could get an offer soon. Yeah, I'm not uh, – I'm trying to think of some right here. Um, I guess Ezra as well. Um, he, he's another kid that you know possibly could get one here in the next – next month or so but uh, a lot of offers have gone out honestly in these last two months and without much uh without much camp film or um without you know coaches being able to go out and see recruits we might not see as many offers in the next month but don't quote me on that all right our next question comes to us from j stew 33 uh which player on the texas roster would you compare Derek harris to mm. interesting it's a good question i it's a tough comp because I, I really thought Harris could maybe be an inside guy, but that's kind of until I changed the view on on how I viewed uh, linebackers. As an edge guy, I think he could be uh, maybe like a Byron Vaughn's type, I think is, is probably the guy I would compare him to. Yeah, that was actually what I was going to go with, the same name. All right, our next question from Hook'em Bloodstein. Um, how much are uh, the current players telling recruits the real behind the scenes about Texas' stance on the Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, it doesn't seem the meeting went well, and if it if it didn't, do you think uh, we will have happened like under Mack when current players are telling recruits not to come to UT? 
Um, I mean, I could tell you that uh, before the, the these two recent guys committed, they talked to current players on the team who told them absolutely to come. Um, you know, I think that really at this point, those guys have said, you know, we're not going to participate in recruiting or, or donor events until we, we see some changes. Um, Chip, Chip Brown had a, a great report in the insider, um, which is, uh, our new piece. It's renamed, uh, since, since we changed the name of the eyes. Um, and I, you know, I think he kind of detailed what went down in that meeting and, um, you know, right now, nobody really knows. I mean, I think that, that the, the kids probably thought everything was going to be agreed to right on the spot. That's just not how these things go. But um, from what I understand, um, you know, I think that really there's, you know, these are going to be continuing conversations. So I would expect, uh, you know, I would expect cooler heads to prevail. I think some of the players who have sounded off have been a little, it could be a little premature in it. Now that said, I wasn't in the meeting. So, um you know, maybe there's something that I haven't heard, but I have talked to a bunch of people who were in the meeting, and it, it just sounds like it's in the very early stages of, of something. All right, our next question comes... Yeah, just to add on. Uh, oh, sorry. Thought I lost you. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. We had a little bit of a disconnect here on our Skype. Go ahead. We can go to the next one. Yeah, you're good. I didn't know if you wanted to add anything. I uh, We're going in and out. I got a poor connection notice here. <laughs> it's probably because I closed my office door uh, to keep my dog out, and that's when my internet goes away. Um, all right. Next question. Uh, why did Stowers get such a bump even over Milrow? Um, I believe, uh, you know, we, we talked with Charles about that, so I think once we get you know, you get to the episode, Charles will, um, will, will really answer that in depth. Um, next question from anonymous one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. How would y'all personally rank the top 10 running back group in Texas? According to the composite, um, I'm not going to rank all 10 of them. How about this? I'll give you my top five. I would go LJ Johnson, Kamar Wheaton, uh, Alton McCaskill, uh, Tavir Dunlap, and Jonathan Brooks. That would probably be my top five. I like that five. Uh, I would go LJ Johnson, uh, Kamar Wheaton. I put Dunlap at three. Um, I'd probably go McCaskill at four and Brooks at five. All right. Our next question from Triplet Joseph 44 Can we get a short segment of Mike telling an old recruitment story? Uh, would be a great addition to the podcast. Um,. Unless I, I guess you only got so many. <laughs> yeah, I only got so many. I'm blanking. Unless Nick, there's one I've told you like behind the scenes that you could think of that would be like, oh, tell that one. It's a good one. Give me a week and I'll try to come up with one for next week. Unless Nick's got something off the top of my head that I've told him. Yeah, I'm not good at remembering things like that. I'm sorry. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, all right, so you know what we'll do? We'll come back next week and I'll try to have a, a good story for you guys. Um, all right. Next question comes to us from Detroit Horn 92 uh, He would also like to hear some stories, whatever stories Nick has as well. I uh, just love hearing wild recruiting stories, excluding Zach Evans. It's clear that's probably the wildest recruitment in the last 20 years. Uh, definitely the wildest one I've covered. You know, the Jordan Elliott recruitment was pretty weird, uh, you know, just on its face value. I wasn't as, as deep into it, um, but... Man, that kid made five commitments, I think, um, during you know his junior and senior year. It went all the way down to the wire, and then you know the way it ended was, I can recall, um, 
EJ was actually in Houston, and I was working for Horn Sports. I wasn't working for for twenty four seven at the time, and um, they HISD had just a big signing ceremony where they their kids from every school just in a big uh, convention center signing. There was no hat dance. There was no announcement. Like EJ just walked up to Jordan Elliott and was like, "Did you sign with Texas?" And he was like, "Yeah." So, it, you know, for all the fireworks that went off in that recruitment, and we'll never forget that that's the recruitment that gave us the the picture. Clearly, J, uh, Jim Harbaugh doesn't know the way Texas is shaped because um, they tried to bake a cake for Elliot's birthday, and it's the worst representation of the state of Texas I've ever seen in my life. Um, but I yeah, see that picture, I see that picture on my timeline at least once every six months, and it, it makes me laugh harder every time. Yeah, I think uh, I think uh, that's that's like one of my favorite parts of of that's I, like every time if I can use that picture for anything, it, it makes me laugh so hard. Uh, it's just the word like it's it looked like a fourth grader tried to bake a cake in the shape of Texas. Um, I can't believe they put a picture on it. But anyways, um, yeah, that for for as wild as that recruitment was to end in a way where it was just like, hey, did you do this? Yeah. You know, especially in today's age where we're used to the, the big produced videos or the, the crazy ceremonies. Uh, who would win a 100-yard da- meter dash between Mike and Nick? It's Nick. Easy. You know, I'm going to take this opportunity to challenge any uh, media member out there who would like to challenge me to a 100-meter dash uh, opportunity. I personally think I'm like a sub-14 guy, you know. So if you, if you think you can beat me, let's run it up. Uh, I'm gonna have to send this to our friend Guy. Yeah, yeah, I'll challenge Guy for sure. He can beat me in the long distance, but if we're going short distance, I think I, I like my chances. Wow! So that's gonna do it for our mailbag. We did not get a question. Well, let me double check before I before I say that. But I do not see a question from Charles Daniels in my inbox, so we did not get a question from him to, to close things out. That's going to do it for the uh, for the mailbag. As always, get those questions in each and every Thursday on the Horns 24-7 message board. Or like we said, what we really would prefer you guys do is uh, leave us a five-star review and put the question in there. All right, Nick, before we get out of here, um, anything else? Anything else you want to cover? Anything you got going on this weekend? Uh, nothing particularly this weekend. Just uh, spending Father's Day with the with the family out in East Texas. But uh, next week, looking forward to get out into some schools and also attending a national tournament next week out of state. Uh, we can talk about that a little bit more next week. But I'm excited to get out and uh, see some see some different land. Absolutely, um, and and you know we'll do. I, I'm I'm kicking back and forth the idea of driving to Round Rock this weekend to see uh, Jalen Milrow on Sunday, but. Um, that is still very much to be determined. Uh, other than that, um, we'll be uh, we'll be out at schools. We'll be out at uh, everything we can be between now and then. So uh, we hope you guys uh, are staying safe out there. Uh, we we do see the uh, the numbers on on COVID go back up, and you know hopefully that you know we, fall football is still in the cards and all those things. But hope you guys are staying safe. We appreciate each and every one of you who listen, each and every one of you who contribute, each and every one of you who reach out and let us know how much you enjoy the show. Um, you know it, it's the reason we do it, and there's uh, a lot of nights where um, you know I've I've done stuff all day and don't necessarily want to record, but. Um, you know, we do it because we know you guys really enjoy it and we, and we enjoy doing it for you. So uh, thank you to the listeners out there. Uh, for Nick Harris, I'm Mike Roach. We will see you guys next week.